Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. I hope this episode finds you doing well. Today, we're going to chat a little bit about how to behave, what to do, how to help when someone that you love is struggling with mental illness. You know, once in a while, I will have a patient make a comment about how his or her loved one, whether it's a spouse or a child or a parent um, or maybe a good friend, doesn't really know how to deal with them, how to handle the issues that they have. I've also been in conversations with family and friends who love someone who has been diagnosed with a mental illness and they aren't really sure how to interact in a healthy manner. So I thought it might be worth an episode to focus on a few things that hopefully will be helpful to individuals that may find themselves in this situation. So first of all, you know, what kind of diagnoses are we talking about? Um, Because there's lots of different types of mental illness. In general, for this episode, we're going to be talking about diagnoses such as major depressive disorder, Uh, bipolar disorder, uh, and then there's various anxiety disorders like generalized anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, panic disorder, those types of things. So if you have not listened to episodes one through five of my podcast, I would strongly suggest that you do because those episodes are about boundaries and I cannot even begin to discuss this episode without talking about boundaries. Any kind of relationship that you're in, whether you're in a relationship with someone who has been diagnosed with a mental illness or just a general relationship, boundaries are there or there's a lack of boundaries. And so since I'm not going to go into all the detail like I did in those five episodes, basically what it amounts to is knowing what you are responsible for and what you are not. So if you can imagine briefly some yards, let's say you have a yard and then imagine that you are in a, a neighborhood, a typical neighborhood that has, you know, different suburban houses around you. If you can imagine for a moment uh, fences between the yards And so you have your yard and you can come out there and you also have people around you that have their houses on their property, which is not your property. So basically in your yard are your thoughts, your feelings, and your behavior, your opinions on things. Those belong to you. You have a right to those things. What does not belong to you, what is not your responsibility are other people's thoughts, other people's feelings, other people's choices of how to behave, other people's opinions. They have a right to those. 
you are not responsible for those. So that needs to be clear right off the bat. Regarding your thoughts and feelings, if it is an issue that I call a boomerang issue, which means you can't just let it go, it keeps coming back to you and back to you, uh, which is pertinent for this particular episode, then you are responsible for speaking your thoughts and feelings to the other individual in a respectful way, which it's virtually impossible to do that if you have stuffed stuff down inside for so long and stuffed it and stuffed it and stuffed it. Usually people stuff things down because they are trying to manage the other person's response. They do not want to be yelled at. They do not want to upset somebody else. And again, remember, the other person's behavior is not your responsibility. So if you're making a decision on whether or not to communicate your thoughts and feelings, which, by the way, other people cannot know. They cannot read your mind. They cannot be expected to know how you think and what you feel unless you tell them. Now, would it be nice if they would just figure it out sometimes? Yes, it would. But that's usually not the way it happens. And then we get mad. We get resentful because they're not figuring it out. That's not their job. If it's your thought and your feeling, it's your job to communicate it respectfully. But many times we don't because we don't want to get yelled at. We don't want to cause somebody else. We don't want to make someone else mad, which, by the way, I know we all say that, but that's not even, that's not even possible. The other person's anger is technically in their brain, and you cannot make them mad. You are responsible for your actions. And so if you come at them cussing and carrying on, flailing, calling names, that's on you. That's your responsibility. But if you communicate respectfully, then how they respond belongs to them. Now I'm going to throw that out and say, I know that just because we're not responsible for how someone else responds to us, that doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable. I know that sometimes we have to say something to someone that they are not going to want to hear. And they may get mad. They may not like what you're saying, and they may yell at you. They may hold a grudge. They may get very angry, and that's not comfortable. I know that. But your option is to have unhealthy boundaries. You just keep all of your angst and your pain and your upset and your resentment stuffed down inside. And then more than likely, you are going to end up in a doctor's office. And that's on you because there's only one person on this planet who has been designated to keep you together. Mm-hmm. It's you. It's not anybody else's responsibility. And if you keep things stuffed down too much and for too long, they start coming out usually in gastrointestinal issues. Things like uh, irritable bowel syndrome, GERD, ulcerative colitis, those types of things. Um, acid reflux. Um, sometimes it'll manifest in uh, high blood pressure, these types of things. You can't help it if you've got a genetic bag that has uh, high blood pressure in it, but you can help stuffing things down inside for weeks and months and maybe even years because you don't want the other person to get upset with what you have to say. Quite frankly, that's not your responsibility. Get in your own yard. <laughs> so 
I just had to put all that out there because that's going to come into play later on in the, in the episode. Another thing I want you to consider are what I call the three C's. And I believe these, this comes up also in, um, in AA and these types of things, the 12 steps and that type of thing is, number one, you did not cause whatever is going on with your loved one. If they have major depression and they are curled up in their bed in a fetal position and they uh, aren't really caring for their hygiene because they're depressed and they're not bathing, they're not getting out of bed, they're not going anywhere, that's very sad. And, And we can talk later about things that you can do about that. But you did not cause that. You need to understand if somebody with bipolar disorder or if they have generalized anxiety disorder and they're just worried about everything under the sun, you didn't cause it, okay? Number two, you cannot control what is going on with your loved one. You cannot. You did not cause it. You cannot control it. And you cannot cure it. If your loved one would like to go into therapy and have someone walk alongside them and give them some coping strategies, maybe go to a psychiatrist and get some medication, you know, they have those choices. You can help them with that. But at the end of the day, it's their life. It's their experience. It's their choices. You did not cause what's going on with them. You cannot control what's going on with them and you cannot cure it. So it's helpful to keep those things in mind. Otherwise, you're going to get very overwhelmed and all your wheels are going to fall off and you're not going to be good to to them or to yourself. Because usually these situations involve, you know, you have a loved one, but you also have other things in your life. You have other people in your life that you're also having relationships with. And you probably also have a job and you may also have children or, you know, other people in your life that you're having to manage those relationships as well. The one that you have in your life that you love that also struggles with a mental illness is not the only person in your life. They are not the sun and you, you know, just gravitating around them. Although sometimes that's end up, that's kind of what some situations end up being. Now, it is important to point out that every situation is different. Now, I want to say, if you or your loved one is suicidal or homicidal, then you need to call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room as soon as possible. Now, I want to point out here that this can be the loved one who is experiencing a mental illness might feel suicidal or homicidal, or it can be you. Because sometimes when you have to deal with someone in your life who has especially a chronic mental illness, and especially if it's one of the more heavy hitters, like bipolar one or something like that, those are extremely difficult to deal with over time. And the chronicity of it, it wears you down. And so there are times where you as the caregiver might also feel suicidal or homicidal. So please recognize that in either yourself or your loved one. And if if either one of you is getting anywhere close to feeling suicidal or homicidal, please just call 911 or go to the ER. Let someone else come alongside you and, and do some assessments and try to give you some or your loved one some help 
for a while. Now, as I mentioned earlier about the boundaries, it's very important that you take care of yourself. There's an analogy of being on an airplane where the uh, flight attendant is explaining about the exits and the oxygen masks and such. And the flight attendant will inform you that if you are traveling with a child and there is turbulence and the oxygen masks fall from the overhead compartment, then you are to put the mask on yourself first before you put it on the child. Now, when I initially heard this information, it seemed counterintuitive. I mean, my gosh, you're traveling with this little child. Certainly you would give them the mask first, but no, because once you think about it, if something happens to you, what's going to happen to the child? You're the one the child is depending on. You're the one the child is leaning on. So you have got to keep yourself together. You have got to keep oxygen in your system so that you in turn can care for the child. Same way when you have someone in your life that you love that is struggling with a mental illness, you have got to keep yourself together. You've got to take care of yourself, and that's where the boundaries come into play. If you feel like that you need some some time away, you need to take it. If you need some downtime, if, if whatever, you need to be very attuned to what you need and get those things supplied. Do not be a martyr, okay? To be honest, nobody likes the martyrs. The ones that do all these things, twist themselves into pretzels, and they want everybody to see, oh my gosh, look at all I've done. I'm, I'm suffering so much for what I'm doing for everybody around me. Really? Okay? I understand that we want to reach out and, and help other people. And if you want to do that, you do that, and we should. But you are responsible for keeping yourself together so that you can, in turn, help those around you. Something else to consider is not making your loved one's issues about you. Don't personalize it. Now, this is going to be much easier said than done, like most of the things that I talk about. Your loved one, depending on where they are in their, in their mood or if they're under a lot of stress um, because of the mental illness, if that might be a time where they're feeling it excessively uh, strong, they may blame you. They may spew all sorts of emotions on you. But none of that makes you responsible for their mental illness. This gets back to boundaries. This also gets back to the three C's. You didn't cause what's going on with them. You cannot control it and you cannot cure it. When you understand these things, it better enables you to stand by them and to not have to just run away. When you get pulled in and you start struggling with shame and guilt, thinking that you caused this and you caused this and you're responsible for this and you're responsible for that, then the weight gets so, so heavy, it just pulls you under the water. And then you're not helpful to your loved one. That's why I say you have to got to keep yourself together. Don't make it about you. Again, just because someone says something is your fault does not mean it is. And when you're able to 
to stand there and watch your loved one if they're having a moment and they're just spewing all kinds of stuff out, that's their issue. They're probably overwhelmed. They're probably frustrated and confused and they're just spewing stuff out. Don't make that about you. Also, consider being a listening ear and trying not to be judgmental. Sometimes your loved one, all they, all they just, they want to talk. Sometimes they just want to ventilate about how frustrating it is to have their mental illness and how much energy it takes out of them to have to deal with it. It can be very difficult, and it's something that a lot of people may not understand. And so they may not have many people to be able to talk to about their frustrations. And so sometimes just listen. You don't have to solve their problem. Just listen. That's a a big deal for anyone, really, whether your loved one has a mental illness or not. Just being a listening ear. Just listen and don't judge. Just leave the judgment cloak over there on the on the hook on the wall. Just leave it alone. Just listen and don't try to judge. And also consider if you have some piece of advice in your mind, you might be thinking of something that might be helpful to your loved one. Ask them if they want your advice. They may want it or they may not want it. Okay, because to be honest, it gets frustrating when if they're sitting down and wanting to talk to you and you're always saying, well, you should do this and you should do that and you should do this. I mean, none of us likes that, do we? Hmm. Nobody likes that. So if you have something that you think might be helpful, ask them if they would like some suggestions from you or not. Maybe they just want to to just ventilate and they just need someone to listen also realize you might give advice, you might give possible solutions, and they may take that advice and they may not. Don't make that about you. Your job, if they wanted to hear from you, is to tell them your suggestions, and then you've walked across your yard, and the fence line is pressing into your abdomen at that point. Because they can take what you say, and they can either put it into motion, or they can totally forget it. That's their right. They may not do anything you have to say. That may be on purpose. It may not be on purpose. There might be other manipulative things going on. Like I said, these situations, they're just very, very different. There's just just lots and lots and lots of different types of situations. That's why I've said before, I've always been a big proponent, obviously, to go to therapy Because a therapist will really be able to come alongside you individually and listen to exactly your situation and what's going on. If you feel like that I cover some broad strokes in these podcasts, but you're really kind of wondering, well, yeah, but what about this? And yeah, what about that? Which isn't unusual, by the way, um, because every situation has its own details, its own minutiae that are very important. Then go to see a therapist. And, and say, just lay it out and let's talk. You know, what are your thoughts? What can I do? What, how do I need to protect myself? And how can I help my loved one kind of thing? And also sometimes you have to set limits and abide by those limits. There are times when, depending on the, the mental illness that your loved one has, um, some of those mental illnesses sort of uh, involve sort of a boundary ignoring going on. Um, And so 
you have to be the one to set your own limits and not expect the other person to figure it out. And you've got to abide by them. Do not set a limit and then not abide by it. Don't bother verbalizing some boundary if you're not going to stick with it. Your words have to match your behavior because if they don't, it's confusing. It's just, in a way, it's, it would be like if you were dealing with a, a child. I'm not saying your loved one with a mental illness is a child. I'm talking about setting boundaries with anybody. Don't say you're going to do something and then not do it. That's very confusing for anyone, and it's also confusing for your loved one who has a mental illness. And you're trying to set a limit with them. You're trying to set a boundary with them. And more often than not, if you're having to do that, they're probably not going to like it. You know, listen to what I said earlier in the episode and also the first five episodes of the podcast. You have to set your own boundaries. And whether the other person likes it or not likes it, that's not your responsibility. Okay? So as you are setting your boundaries, you must be consistent. Be consistent. Think of a metronome. You know those metronomes that piano teachers used to sit on top of the pianos and they would just click back and forth, back and forth, back and forth to set the tempo. That's a metronome. So this is the way you need to be with your boundary setting. Set your boundaries and do the same thing, same thing, same thing, because more than likely there's going to be situations where your loved one may try to push them, may try to act as if you're not setting your boundaries, and they're going to challenge them. Just be consistent. You do not need to react in an angry manner. That doesn't help anything. Just set your boundary and be consistent with it. You can also offer suggestions of what you're willing to do to help your loved one and also say over lines that you will not cross. They are going to have needs. So sometimes, for example, your loved one with a mental illness might need to get into therapy, but maybe for them it's frustrating because they would have to take time out of their day, they would have to pay a copay you know, exert the effort of being involved in therapy. They don't really want to do that. So they're kind of using you to meet their needs and to deal with them. And as long as you continue to do that, not only are you flirting with being codependent, by the way, but you're depriving your loved one of reaching what's called the pain threshold, where the pain of staying the same has to be greater than the pain of change before we will actually do the change. And so if you say to your loved one, you know, I'd be more than happy to do one, two, and three for you. And I'll do that cheerfully and happily. And you can count on me to do one, two, and three for you. But if you need more than that, then I suggest that you look elsewhere, maybe to another relative or to another friend, or if you're involved in church Uh, maybe some groups in a church or something like that. You've got to set your boundaries. Say what you will do and the line over which you will not cross. And you have a right to set that. And you setting that helps you to be able to continue to provide whatever number one, number two, and number three is, those needs. 
that you will meet their need number one, their need number two, their need number three, and you draw the line. Because if you don't draw the line and they want you to do number four, number five, number six, number seven, number eight for them, and you're just done, then you will eventually implode. And that will not be good for you or your loved one. Now, the last thing I'm going to throw out here quickly is that there are some severe mental illness situations when you've done all that you can do and your life and the lives of your family members might possibly be in danger. Then at that point, you may need to walk away from that relationship. There is a a book and I don't have it right with me, but I'll put it in my show notes. It's called When to Walk Away. It's a a very good book to read just to kind of educate yourself on different situations and when you're possibly facing this kind of a situation. There are times when you evaluate the whole situation and there's are severe, obviously, uh, times that you walk away and you allow the natural consequences You allow those consequences to happen. This is extremely difficult, and it usually results in considerable amount of judgment and criticism from other people who are only marginally involved. It's a very good thing that these types of severe situations do not happen often, but sometimes they do. And if you've tried everything that you can, in terms of like offering things, like I said earlier, the one, the two, and the three, maybe you've offered to drive your loved one to therapy. Maybe you've offered to find a therapist for your loved one. Maybe you've offered to buy groceries for your loved one. There's all these different kinds you can do to be helpful. But at the end of the day, your loved one who is struggling with a mental illness is also responsible for doing something for themselves. Their life is not your responsibility. It's their responsibility. They may or may not be willing to take that responsibility. They may want you to take it. Again, there are some situations that turn out fantastic. You know, when people can, like, move in together, they, it works out very well, and, and you know, that's, those are wonderful uh, times. But everyone's situation is not like that. And if you happen to be one of those individuals that are in a very severe situation and you are you feel like you're flirting with suicidal thoughts, homicidal thoughts, or your, your loved one is, then clearly you need to reach out, you know, talk to um, friends and family, get therapy yourself, and get some guidance from other people around you. And at the end of the day, set your boundaries and make your choice. So I hope that this episode has been helpful. I'm kind of talking in broad strokes because these situations are very, very personal and they are very different from one situation to the next. Um, the, the caregivers are very different. The individuals who have been diagnosed with a mental illness and they're struggling, um, they are very different. Their personalities are different. You know, their backgrounds are different. And so these situations, they require attention to the detail which is why I strongly suggest that if you happen to be struggling with this, then um, 
go to see a therapist for a few sessions and just kind of lay it out and let him or her try to walk with you through it and help you come up with some helpful ways to keep yourself going and to be helpful uh, to your loved one that is also struggling with a mental illness to hopefully help both of you to set some healthy boundaries um, so that you can experience a, a healthy life. Well, that is all of this particular episode. I hope you've heard something today that has been helpful to you. And if you have, I would really appreciate it if you would post it on your social media and share it. Um, If you know of of a loved one or a person in your life that would benefit from hearing this episode, please send it to them. If you have any comments or questions or you have a topic that you would like to hear me talk about in some future episode, you can email me at Dana Skaggs, D-A-N-A-S-K-A-G-G-S, at phoenixandflame.com, or you can just go to the phoenixandflame.com website that has all the podcasts hosted there, and there's a contact me page, and I will listen and possibly be able to uh, include some of your uh, areas of interest in future episodes. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. And again, this is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.